Welcome to the ministry of Mercy Seek Ministries and Evangelist Pat and Karen Jackson. We believe that the message you are about to hear will mightily change your life. Open your heart, mind, and spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. We must declare it to the next generation. I'm going to share a word this morning simply titled, Hanging by a Thread. Subtitle would be, Boundaries for the Uncertain Times of Life been teaching you about boundaries. And the Bible says in Psalms chapter 74, verse 16, it says this, The day is yours, also night. You established the sun and the moon. It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. Now watch, because because there, there's something stirring inside of me. I told you the word boundaries, and this is just a brief overview. If you remember, I taught the message if, uh, if, if I was the devil, and then we taught the next one, the boundaries of God, that he does have one boundaries. It's you. Pastor Sean uh, stood in for me last Sunday, and, and uh, folks, I think we had close to uh, a couple hundred to, to 300 saved last weekend in Charlotte at the men's conference. Isn't that awesome? And... But, but I'll be honest with you, I would have rather been here. It's kind of like the last two times Karen's gone out to do ladies' conferences. We're like, we're on the phone. We're going, I just, I just want to be at home. So Pastor Sean, in fact, I'm going to try to fix some of the heresy he probably shared last Sunday. And, and uh, I'm just kidding. And, and, and this is number four in the series on boundaries. And we're going to have fun this morning. Because I want to take you to a level of understanding that how great is his love. How awesome. Have you ever just kind of felt like you were hanging on a thread? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is one of our key verses for this series. And it says this in verse 21. It says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. Oh, Paul was always politically correct, wasn't he? He wasn't worried about what anybody thought. You can't have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? How many of you know you serve a jealous God? He wants you for himself. Watch. Are we stronger than he? Everything is permissible, and I, uh, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. I told you that word permissible is existine in the Greek, and it means lawful, public domain. Beneficial is sump hero. It means uh, special advantage, collectively profitable. And then it says constructive. Everything is constructive. Or it's not constructive, rather. The word there is oikodomio in the Greek, and it literally means house builder. So, in other words, it is okay to do some things. In fact, I can do whatever I want. Free country. But not everything that I do will build my temple. Will make me who God's called me to be. On the phone last night with my dear friend, after he had had this heart attack, in-shape guy, uh, plays racquetball every week. And, and he said, he said, man, Pat, he said, he was telling Karen and I, we're on the speakerphone, and he, and he goes, I, I've got to write these books, we've got to get this on television, all this other stuff, because he's begun to realize that we really don't have a lot of time in life. So, I don't want to do anything that doesn't help build my temple. Doesn't make me who God's got me called to be i told you a hundred times my my hero one of my heroes is william booth and he said the greatness of man's strength is determined by his ability or his measure to surrender that ability to say god here you go i'm done last three weeks many times during the last three weeks i felt like hanging by a thread almost like wow Anything could come along and kind of break 
That little string I'm hanging on there. And, and I know we've all felt that way, but, but how many of you know that I taught you that, that, that Christian, it's Christ with I-A-N at the end of it, and the I-A-N means I am new. Through Christ, I am a, uh, an overcomer. Uh, all things have passed away. I am a, uh, a, I'm new. Somebody give God a praise offering. Amen? So I'm sharing about hanging by a thread. My dreams. Everything I've walked through. My retirement. You know what I've learned? I've learned that whatever saves you is usually what keeps you. Whatever really rescues you is the thing that keeps you. Look at Proverbs 29, 18 in the New Living Translation. This is the other verse that we've been using for this series. And it's when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. That word law in the Hebrew is Torah or Torah. And it means to aim, to hit a target, to be guided by statutes and placed by God. So so I've been teaching this series about boundaries that there's certain areas you don't need to go. There's certain things I won't do. There's a reason why every computer in our office and at my house and and, and uh, my personal computer, all the pastors, there is a, a reporting that goes every month that says what websites we've looked at, not because we're legalistic, but because we have boundaries regarding what's up here. Because I want to set my mind on things above. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to see Him. And it's not worth a 17-inch monitor to not see Him. You still with me, right? So what you got to understand is hanging by a thread. Now, now, okay, Pastor, what does that have to do with the whole boundary series? How many of you, and don't lie, have ever sped in your car? I'm married to the only woman that passed two policemen on the freeway. And they pulled her over and said, did you not see us? And they said, maybe you're going a little too fast to see us. She like drove by them. Driving to work, Karen, years ago. But I don't know about you, but when a, when I see a policeman, and I, isn't it amazing how red lights come on automatically when people start passing them on the freeway? I don't care if you're doing the speed limit. You're going to hit the brakes. And isn't it cool now? Because I have a tendency, we were driving to University of Alabama on Friday and, and uh, taking Nate down to check out the college. And and uh, and, and this policeman, and, and, and I automatically go, he got me. I just speak death. And uh, he got me. And, and if you're in the car, I automatically look at my kids. Buckle up, everybody. If you're not, bu- see, you're laughing because you do that too. And he's sitting there, and we're we're riding on 59 towards Tuscaloosa, and he, he's he's in his car, and he's just like a leopard, like a lion wanting to kill you. And uh, and and policeman in the house, you know, I love you, but you just wonder, did he just shoot me with the radar? And then you wait for him to pull out. And if he pulls out, how many of you wet your pants? I need the pins at that point. I'm like, oh, no, he got me. You just get a cold sweat and you, and you try to act all holy. And then he takes off behind him. He's coming behind you. And you're like, you're looking, don't, don't, don't say nothing. Can you tell I've, this has happened to me several times? And then, isn't it cool if he passes you and goes after somebody else? Oh, grace from heaven above. And you're like, I knew it. You should have slowed down. Get him, officer, friendly. And then he pulls the guy over and you wave. 
That'll teach you. But I think sometimes we think of God that way. He's kind of like we walk into church and, oh, ominous, ominous. That we're suddenly standing in the presence of God and everything is, yes, I'm holy. I'm, yeah, I got it together this week, God. Look at me worship. I can even hold my hand like you're supposed to. And, and, uh, and, and sometimes God says, it doesn't work that way. I've given you law for a reason. I've given you spirit for a reason. But I'm trying to protect where you're going. I don't want you to spin out of control. And sometimes God says, would you just slow down a little bit? Let me teach you some things along the way. I want to begin to speak some things into your life. I'm watching as our nation seems to be speeding out of control. I want to go ahead and inform you that you now own an auto company. Whether it's bailouts, whether it's socialized health care. Have you ever been in a hospital in Canada? We have. We don't want to do that. Whether it's watching the different things, whether it's Iran, whether it's North Korea, whether it's somebody launching another missile, whether it's all the things we're watching happening in our nation. It almost feels like our nation is hanging by a thread. I have literally had to set boundaries in my home. I cannot watch the news before I go to bed now. Because I found out recently that we're not a Christian nation. And so what you got to understand is I move into this word. It feels like we're dangling, just dangling. It just just makes you want to say dang. It just makes you want to go, what in the world is going on? And yet I know that God is in charge. And I want to talk to everybody for a few minutes. It, It really feels the uncertainty. What is going on? We learned two weeks ago that, that God's throne consists of righteousness and justice. And Psalms 89 verse 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness, they go before you. So God gave us guidelines. He said, trust me, watch what I do. He said, I've given you boundaries. I protect you. I keep you. Look at Psalms 33 verse 10. The Lord foils the plans of nations. He thwarts the purpose of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. So it says God has a plan. It says it doesn't matter what OPEC does or what the United Nations does. He says, I've got all nations under me. How many of you understand that so far? So I want to explain to you this morning that you have a reputation to keep up. For those of you that have been sitting here just waiting for that phone call, what I call the phone call of death, whether it's about your finances, whether it's about your job, or maybe it's a sickness or an illness, it's that way when I felt last night uh, at about 9 o'clock when I, when I got the voice message about my friend Glenn Berto. It was almost like my own father had just had a heart attack. And, and so it, it's that death. I, I had no idea that, I, that that would happen when I wrote this word earlier in the week. But everybody in this room that feels like lately you're just kind of dangling, raise your hand. Be honest. Yeah. Yeah. God began to speak to my heart. He said, son, preach about the thread today. Preach, share about the rope today. Talk about. Now, now write this down. Number two. How many of you know that God is a God of promises? But when did God stop keeping his promises? Because that's what I've got to ask you today. Look at Psalms 119, verse 148. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Maybe know we have a promise of 1 John 1, 7, that the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all of, all of our sins. Everybody say bloodline with me. 
Now watch, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, for, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and through him the amen, and how many know amen is actually another word for, for, for Jesus, it means so be it, he is the amen, the Bible says, is spoken to us by the glory of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, his divine power has given us everything I need for life, godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he's given us his very great and precious promises. Do you understand? There are 32,000 promises in this book, 365 fear nots, 52 one another's. Everything about God is about promise. He says, I've got you. I'm taking care of you. I've covered you. I'm, I'm, I'm watching over you. If you believe that this morning, would you give God a praise offering? Come on, let's get excited. But now watch, because I got to hurry. Uh, James chapter one, verse 12 says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. God says, when you make it through what you're going through, I'm going to give you a blessing for it. He said, you'll receive the crown of life. I honestly think that God doesn't let us go to heaven because either our heads are too big for the crown, meaning we don't die early, meaning you're still here right now, because either your head was too big for the crown or it's too small. He's got to do a work in you to get get the crown to fit. He's got to walk you through some things. So let me lay out this story where I'm going. Look at your Bibles in Joshua chapter 2. Joshua, the second chapter, is where I want to go this morning very quickly. And I want to take you through a quick journey. Now understand something. Here is Joshua. They've lived for 40 years in the wilderness. And if you ever understood why they lived in the wilderness, read Numbers chapter 14 and Numbers chapter 16. It talks about because they ran their mouths. So God had to wait for a whole generation to die. 40 years. They're about to cross into the promised land. They're about to cross over the Jordan. It's that scripture where they said, keep your eye on the mercy seat. We've not been here before. And that's when the priest stepped out at the time when the water was the highest, when the harvest was the most. And all of a sudden, the Bible says they're about to go in to take the promised land. But I have learned something. They're about to go to visit some places. They're sending spies out to spy out the land. How many of you know, even though God made you a promise, he'll give you something, you still may have to fight for it. I'm going to say that again. Even though God gave you a promise, there's still a battle. He sends the spies into the land. They go out, they go to the different cities, and two of them go to Jericho. Jericho is a demonic place. Said that when David talked about, yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he was talking about the road to Jericho. And so... What you've got to understand is they go into the land, they're spying out the land, and he sends two of the spies to go. Joshua chapter 2, let's read the story. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim and said, go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look. Some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. So stop right there. Let me, let's back up. Two spies go to Jericho. People on the streets are talking. They go to a prostitute's house, which she actually owned a motel that was on the wall. People see it. They spread the word. Now watch. Bring out the men, verse 4. But the woman who had taken the two men and hidden them, she said, yes, the, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men, the men left. She, this is what she told him. She wasn't telling the truth. 
I don't even know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. Verse 6. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax. Everybody say flax. She had laid out on the roof. Verse 7. So the men set out to pursue in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of, of the Jordan. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the, the gate was shut before the spies lay down uh, for the night. She went up on the roof and said to them, I know the Lord has given this land to you and that, it, that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you two guys. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for, for you when you came out of Egypt and, and what you did at Sion and Og and the two kings of Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. And we heard of it. Our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. Look at the person beside you and say, you've got a reputation. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, and all who belong to me, and that you will save us from the death. And that we, in our lives, for your lives. Verse 14. Our lives, for your lives, the minister. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope to the window. For the house she lived in was part of the city wall. See, everybody always preaches that Jericho, all the walls came down. No, they didn't. There was a certain part of the wall that never came down. We always talk about they shoved those walls. No, they didn't. Watch what it goes on to say. This is so cool. Now, she had said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and then go on your way. Verse 17. The men said to her, this oath you made us, uh, that you made us swear will not be binding on unless when we entered the land. You have tied the scarlet cord in a window through which you let us down. Unless you brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. It's a very cool scripture. Normally I don't read uh, that that much. But you've got to get this story and you've got to understand that there's a bloodline. Everybody say bloodline. Write this down, number three. God chooses people that I would never use. Here's Rahab. Her name literally means liberty. She's a harlot. Her house was on top of the wall. It was most likely a guest house, a bread, a bed and breakfast type of place. And and here was a woman that understood the times. She knew that the city she lived in was an evil place. In fact, the king had heard she was hiding the spies and he sent word to find out about two spies. And and she lied to him and said they've already left town. And and what I love about Rahab's wisdom is this. She didn't want to turn these two godly men over. Because somewhere along the way, she had become maybe a true believer in Jehovah. Maybe it was somebody that was traveling through town that stayed at her little bed and breakfast and said, let me tell you some stories. While in your city, they're worshiping idols. There is a land of people that are worshiping the one true God. Something had happened to her. And, 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 and the Bible says the spies didn't even have a chance to talk to her. They just came in and hid. She knew. She, she knew something was going on. Call it self-preservation. I believe she knew that God was awesome. She had heard the great stories. She was a risk taker. Her boundaries were not determined by what a king thought, but her boundaries were determined by the fact that God was God. Are you going to get this with me? If you don't get excited, seriously, I'm going to, I'm I'm going up to preach the children. Because I want to talk to everybody that's been hanging by a thread. 
Pastor, if you just knew what I'm going through. I've had two different people on the phone this week saying, there is an all-out attack coming against us. So I want to talk to the ones in here. It says, everything seems to be hanging. And I'm just waiting on somebody to cut the rope. You know what I love about Rahab? Her faith made her dangerous. When you get a hold of some, some, that, that secure kind of faith, you really don't care what anybody thinks. Look at James chapter 2 verse 25. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous? This is James, New Testament. For what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction as the body without the spirit is dead. So faith without deeds is dead. The whole scripture we always use, faith without deeds is dead, is tied to a prostitute. Why? Because Rahab's faith produced action. She understood that your faith is not activated until you do something, whether it is tithing or whether it is showing up or whether it is turning off the TV or like we did Friday night, getting up and walking out of a movie because they use my God's name in vain. See, there's something about knowing I am activating everything I do. I walk by faith, not by sight. He has prepared a ground for me. Every place I set my foot, he's promised me. Why? Well, well pastor, are you getting into prosperity teaching if you want? Pastor, you name it, claim it. No, I'm shouting, grab it. Because I've walked through too many things. And I have learned that my faith is not determined by people or opinions or circumstances or what goes on on TV or what goes on in this world. My faith is determined by the fact that his foundation is righteousness and justice. He is a God that takes care of his own. Somebody get excited. This was a woman that understood my family's future is at play here, pal. Write this down. Your reputation, it precedes you. What's your reputation like? If you disappeared off this planet, would the world know it? Is your picture up in Hell's post office is most wanted? Because the greater the attack, the greater the anointing. And if you're not being attacked right now, it's because you're flowing with him. Because at the moment, the moment you draw a line in the sand, you say, here you go, buddy. I am, I am turning my family around. I am changing everything I stand for. Uh, I'm stepping into the righteousness of God. At that moment, radar. The enemy said, oh, wow. At the moment. My father in 1974 turned his back on drug addiction and said, I will serve the Lord. At that moment, my family went from being a cohort with the enemy to becoming an, uh, uh, an absolute enemy of the enemy. Are you with me? Look at James chapter 2 verse 8. They talk about the spies coming in. It says, before the spies went to sleep, Rahab went up on the roof and she said, listen, fellas, I've heard about you guys. I've heard the stories of how God dried up the Jordan. I've heard about how you defeated the different giants. Listen to what I'm talking about. Listen, we, she even said, we're all afraid of you. Our hearts melted when we heard you're coming to town. She said, we heard about Egypt. You know what's so cool? In your wandering, when Israel was just wandering and lost, they still had a reputation. While they're out there just going in a circle, skirting the mountains, the Bible says, well, they're just out there ignoring, you know, whining and complaining and, 
and 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 freaking out because they're sick of manna burgers and and now they want quail burgers and and they're doing all this different stuff and good old Moses and Zipporah were having some issues and 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 Moses was striking right the whole time you were wandering God has already given you a reputation How many of you know it says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 13, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. I love that right there. She said, we've heard about you fellas. Really? Because we just got our stuff together like two weeks ago and that's when we had to go and all get circumcised and that wasn't fun. I don't know how you heard about us. Oh yeah, we've heard about how your God, not about them, about their God. We heard how your God dried up the Jordan. We heard how God caused a mass exodus. We heard about how big your God is. Folks, you don't understand. God is a really great, is really great at PR. We heard about Sion. Who was Sion? The word is Sikon in the, in, in, in the Hebrew there. It means warrior. He was the king of the Amorites, who was also known as the Canaanites, from whom the Hittites and the Prizites and the Budlites and the Millerites, all the ites came from. Just seeing if you're awake. Said that, that the same guys that the Israelites said 40 years ago they couldn't defeat. Now 40 years later they destroyed them. Who was Og? We heard about Og. Do you know Og was this beast of a giant? That his bed was 13 feet long and 6 foot wide. Shaq would have looked like a little girl next to him. So they were developing this reputation that God was on their side. And yet they didn't even know it. They're just spying out the land. Folks, we need some people in here that have reputations. That regardless of what comes your direction, regardless of what is said, regardless of what you see, you're standing up for righteousness and purity. Regardless of what they do at work, regardless of what they do in your neighborhood, I will not back down. I want alarms to go off because I am a threat to the enemy. I am taking back the land that belongs to me. What does 1 Corinthians 7 say? You were bought at a price. Don't become slaves of men. What does 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 say? It tells us, therefore don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, what is eternal. Watch this, write this down. What hid you will rescue you. Remember verse 6? But she took them to the roof and laid them under flax. I mean, you know, the Bible talks about a woman of virtue. In Proverbs 31, verse 13, it says, She selects wool and flax and works eager with her hands. Follow me for just a second. I love Rahab because uh, most likely she wasn't operating as a prostitute anymore. Most likely that was her past, the mistakes she had done. Maybe to even try to just take care of her family. But she was an entrepreneur. And here's a woman that had flax spread out on the roof, drying it out. How do you make rope? It takes a little flax. The Bible says the spies come in. She doesn't even have a chance to talk to him. And she says, get underneath what's going to rescue you. It's free. I'm going to keep going on. Flax is used to make clothes and ropes and 
In fact, she made red ropes. That was her signature. In other words, the cord that would lower the spies to safety that would secure her rescue was also the very material that protected the spies of God. What I'm saying, you need to stock up on the things that will protect you. Are you with me? You need to get some things laid out on your roof of your house. When you hide yourself under him, he will be your protector. Let a God arise and his enemies be scattered. Psalms 91, he that dwelleth in the shelter of the Most High, of the Almighty, he is my rock, my protection, my fortress, he is my my covering. She said, come here, fellas. I want you to do something. Crawl underneath here. The king's looking for you. Lay underneath all this stuff that you don't even know what it is. Just lay down underneath here because someday, very soon, the very stuff you're laying under is going to protect me and my family. Somebody needs to get under the shadow of the Almighty. He is my protector. You know what I love right here? They were lying under a bunch of nothings. Just a bunch of string. But when you tie it all together, it starts making ropes. See, it's that knitting together. It's that Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things to work together. It may not look like this little piece of flax is going to protect me. But you hadn't tied it together. It may not look like that broken heart. It may not look like that pain I've walked through. It may not look like that victory I walked through. But you put it all together. And sooner or later, I'm going to have a rope to climb down. See, what it's the joining it all together stuff. I don't know why somebody did that to you. But instead of focusing on it, why don't you put it together with the blessings? Pastor, you're intense today. Yeah. Yeah. See, some of you have been lying under strands of memories. Strands of mistakes, strands of failed business opportunities. By themselves, they're just a string. You're just hanging. But put it all together. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three, its strand is not quickly broken. What hid you will rescue you. Why? Revelation 12, 11, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, even to the point of death. I'm under my covering, my shadow. He's my, write this, your future, it's on the ropes. Everybody say bloodline. Joshua chapter 2 verse 12. Now then please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will, you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all who belong to me. Our lives are for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we'll keep, we'll treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. Verse 15. So she let them down by a rope to the window. Hanging on a thread. Can you see her? You boys better hang on. We're not talking about a little tiny wall. Uh, wall. Talking about the walls of Jericho. It wouldn't have been a big deal, been a big deal if God could have just walked, or if man could have just walked over and pushed them over with a bulldozer. No, no. These were big walls. Dangling. Has your life ever been dangling? Like a, like a participle looking for a phrase. Just dangling there. Dangling. You know, they're cutting back at my job, Pastor. My marriage isn't what it used to be. There's. I don't really feel like God can use me anymore, Pastor. My finances are my children. Dangling.
I love what John Maxwell always says. He says, while your circumstances are beyond your control, your future is not. Folks, when you walk in integrity, what does it say in Proverbs 28, 18? He whose walk is blameless is kept safe. But he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall down. I can see her. My family's in your hands, boys. You're climbing down the very rope that I made. Proverbs 20 or chapter 12, verse 6. Wicked men are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous shall stand firm. I can see them. They look at her and said, this place is coming down. But take a scarlet cord. Joshua chapter 17, verse 19 says, the two verse 17 and 19. The men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding as unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you brought your, you brought your father and your mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. Why did they tell her to, to, to hang a scarlet cord? Getting ready to close. Reminded of when we held Abby for the first time in that, in that adoption office there and, China. She had a necklace on and we just saw it the other day because Karen was scrapbooking some of the stuff from our visit to China six years ago. And, and, and there was Abby in a picture with this necklace that she had on and it was actually a goat. She had a goat on because she was born in the year of the goat and, but there was a red cord. And so last night Karen was telling me, I started telling her about the message and, and she, she said, Pat, don't you understand in China that, that, that the red, the red cord is considered a sign of the bloodline. And, 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 and I began to realize I never understood why they gave us this necklace with this red cord on because in China they believe and they give it to adoptive parents, letting them know that even though you may not be a part of her bloodline, we're now increasing the bloodline. Somebody, we're going somewhere. Write this down, the cord of royalty, prosperity, and sacrifice. Why did they tell her to hang a scarlet cord? Do you know that in order to make the scarlet ink, they literally had to take 250,000 mollusks, squeeze them just to get an ounce of scarlet. It was the most precious of colors in Israel. That's why David said, Saul has dressed all of Israel in scarlet. Nehemiah, the valiant men were dressed in scarlet. Are you getting this so far? In fact, understand something. It represented three different things. It always represented sacrifice. It always represented prosperity. It represented royalty. In Genesis chapter 38, Tamar was about to have twins from her relationship with Judah. And the Bible says that as one of the twins come out, the handmaiden took and put a scarlet cord around the firstborn, letting the whole world know that he was the firstborn. How many of you know Hebrews chapter 12 says we are the church of the firstborn? Are you with me so far? So watch, because I'm about to close with this thing. Proverbs 31, it says in verse 21 of a, of a woman of virtue, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. So all of a sudden, they said, listen, the walls are going to come down, and let me tell you something, precious lady, who has chosen to hit us, to hide us, and protect us, if you'll lower a scarlet cord. So I began to pray, what in the world is a scarlet cord? Represents bloodline. Schofield said it best. He said the scarlet cord represented a bloodline of sacrifices that would go from Genesis to Revelation. See, what you've got to understand, learn how to look for the rope. 
Joshua chapter 6 verse 17 in this. And the city and all that it, are in it was uh, it, it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute. How many of you know God has a great memory? And all who are with her in the house shall be spared because she hid the spies. Verse 20 of Joshua 6 is that incredible story of, or, or instance where they blew the trumpets and the walls came down. But watch, because this is so cool. In verse 25, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute. See, I can see when the walls were coming down for just a time. I can see her standing there going, oh, here we go. Well, they must, I don't know. All I know is I've got a red cord hanging out the window. I can see her thinking as everything is people were being crushed by rubble all around her. The walls were shaking in Israel. All they did was shout and blow a trumpet. And as she's standing there in the walls, but when it all settled and the dust came up and it began to clear away, there in the distance was one piece of wall still standing, one house still standing because it had a red line. It had a bloodline through it. It had a protection line running through it. Oh, somebody ought to get excited. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. See, you've got to realize something. Come on, Pastor Eric. What happened to the rope lower? Well, we know what happens in Matthew chapter 1. See, the Bible says that she lived among the Israelites to this day. But you know what's so cool about the harlot who decided to get a part of a bloodline? My Bible tells me that she is the great, great, great grandmother of David, of the lineage of Christ. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? Go ahead and stand with me. Okay, so pastor, where's my rope? Isaiah talked about it. He said, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they should be white as snow. Though the red is crimson, they shall be like wool. Why did you tell us that? Okay, so scarlet represented the firstborn. Okay, scarlet represented royalty. Okay, scarlet represented sacrifice to lay it all down. The very color scarlet in God's word. And God always uses colors as symbolism for things he wants to get out to his people. Why are you telling us that? That's Old Testament. Where's my rope, pastor? Look at Matthew chapter 27. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him. Then twisted together a crown of thorns. And set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked hell, king of the Jews, they said. See, if the firstborn was to have scarlet on him. When Jesus was stripped naked on a cross. He gave up the right to be the firstborn. So that I could have a scarlet bloodline. So that I could have royalty, prosperity and sacrifice in my life. God says, you don't understand. He became my rope. When Jonathan Edwards talked about sinners in the hands of an angry God and how they, he had a vision of them hanging over hell in spider webs, holding them in place, ready to burn. That's me. Jesus said, I'm your bloodline. 
I'm the one who paid the price for you. I am your scarlet covering. So when old Schofield said that that line that she dropped represented the bloodline of Genesis all the way down through Revelation. Sacrifices that were made. The rope stopped just at the bottom of a cross. He threw me a line. So if you feel like you're dangling today, if you feel like I'm about to let go, he said, you don't understand. I'm throwing you a rope. I'll pull you out of that pit. I'll pull you out of what you, I'll lower you down to safety. And when all the other walls fall down, my boundaries are, are such that I say, you cannot touch them. You are protected by the bloodline. You are covered. When the walls start shaking, the earth starts trembling. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's been times in my life where I've hung to this bloodline. Karen and I were talking yesterday. And really, this is all you're promised. The bloodline. Even if you're a shh, harlot. I'll lower you down. While everything else is trembling and shaking around you, God says, you think it's a threat. I call it a rope. I'm not going to let you fall. Smoke's clearing this morning. While people you know haven't been able to stand, if you look just to the top of the hill, looking out a window, there's a little girl standing up there going, Dude, it worked. So, when I walk in heaven, I can't wait to say, dude, it worked. The bloodline worked. Somebody praise him this morning. Amen. It worked. It's not just some religious Sunday thing. Come and help me, team. I'll give you a gift to take home. Some of you need to fall asleep tonight holding this. Have them come and pass those out if you would. Better yet, would you do something just a little bit different? It will actually help us. Would you physically, everybody step down here for two minutes. And then we got to get you out of here because of parking. Hey, pray for tomorrow that we can get in that building. And we can do one service for a couple of weeks. Come, come on, come on. I know this may be different for you. Just join me up. I know it's different. But I want to do something. I want to. I want to dangle a bloodline. I want to tell you that you're safe. I don't want you getting up in the morning feeling as if you're not safe. I don't want you to feel like you're not protected. I came to remind you that out of the windows of heaven, see, he will not open them up. The Bible says, see, if he will not open them, he is not only hanging blessings, but he's hanging a bloodline. God says, I got you back. Shut your eyes across this place. Would you do this with me for just a moment? 
every eye shut across this house. I'm going to ask you not to look around. And I know we're doing, we're closing a little bit different today. But I want to do this. It's so important to me. You say, Pastor, I feel like I've been dangling lately. Over the abyss. As if I don't even matter. But I need a rope thrown my way. Maybe you say, I've never accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Telling my son last night about the night two weeks after I had been in a field with some friends. Not really right in my mind. In my bedroom. I accepted Christ. But I was telling my son last night about. Because he got invited to a bonfire. We were talking about it. I said that was the night I had a vision at that bonfire in the fields of Aniana when God was turning his back. I said son that's when I reached out and grabbed hold of God. He threw me a line. Took me two weeks to grab it. But with every eye shut, if you say, Pastor, I need to grab a hold of the bloodline of Christ. His death on the cross gave me the ability to be royalty, blessing through the sacrifice. With your eyes shut, if you say, I need to give God a chance in my life. Maybe you've got stuff in your life, sin in your life. Maybe you've forgotten that bloodline. You say, I want Christ I want the rope to be thrown to me today. Nobody's looking around. If you say that's me, you say I got some junk in my life. Raise your hand right now. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Way to go. You don't even realize it. Can you put your hand back up? Nobody's going to look at you. But you're actually reaching up and grabbing the rope. That's what you're doing. All those hands that went up. Would you pray this with me out loud? Can we do this together as a family today? Today's one of those days of security, of walking out of here refreshed. Walking in peace and authority. Pray this out loud. Jesus. Jesus. Come on, a little bit louder. Jesus. Jesus. I'll take the rope. I'll take the rope. Jesus. Jesus. Pull me back up. Jesus. Jesus. Throw me the rope. I'm asking you today to forgive me. To forgive me. To restore me. To restore me. To protect my house. Protect my family. I will lower the cord. I will lower the rope. I will let your rope, your bloodline, hang out the window of my home. Oh, here it goes. Now it's going to get intense. Jesus, your bloodline protects my home. Pour your spirit out in my house. Come on. Would you lift your hands and talk to God for just a moment? Would you just begin to cry out to him? Because God says today. Some of you didn't even realize it. You forgot about the bloodline. You forgot about the rope. God says I'm dangling out the window. How many of you can say with your eyes shut. You can just shake your hand at me. Pastor my home needs some protection right now. Shake it at me. There's a lot of come on. Job security. Pray this out loud. Jesus. I will let your light shine. I will hang your rope, the bloodline, out my window. When all is shaking around me, when the smoke clears, my home is protected. Amen. <laughs> Isn't it cool? Isn't it good? Come on, you can give him a praise. It's all right. I had to tell you all week this was on me. God says, we're about to give you one of these two, team. If you'll get ready to pass these out, when you go out, they're going to hand you one of these. Just kind of a little reminder. 
he threw a rope. So don't you dare start throwing rocks when he already threw a rope. God says, today, you got a bloodline. You're a part of a lineage. You can walk out of here. Thank you for listening. We pray that this word would sit in your spirit and transform you. For more information or to become a covenant partner with Mercy Seat Ministries and Evangelist Pat Karen Chatsline, you can log on to www.mercyseatministries.com.